ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Hopefully welcome back. If not, then welcome for the very first time. Uh, What a great show. First of all, real quick. It is a great time to be a wrestling podcaster. I tweeted out something like this yesterday. But, I mean, thank you to Colt Cabana. Thank you to CM Punk. Thank you to the WWE Network. Thank you to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Thank you to Vince McMahon. All What all those people did over the last seven days for wrestling podcasters everywhere can't be understated. They've, in one week, increased... The interest in wrestling podcasts like crazy. I mean, there is there are thousands of people who never knew wrestling podcasts exist. And because of those people and groups, it's now a, a real thing. When you look at iTunes and you see and, 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 and the same goes for Jim Ross and Chris Jericho. When you see the iTunes top 10 of sports podcasts are dominated by pro wrestling. I mean, you go there on any given day and you're going to see Jim Ross and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Chris Jericho. You look this week because of CM Punk being on Colt Cabana's Art of Wrestling show, you go to the iTunes overall, the top podcasts in the world on iTunes. And a wrestling podcast is number two behind Serial of all things. Everybody listens to Serial. And the second podcast in the world is a wrestling podcast. It's good for everybody, and it's good uh, for pro wrestling and sports entertainment in general. I'm going to get into CM Punk. I'm going to get into uh, uh, wrestling podcasts. I'm going to get into Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin during today's State of Wrestling. I mean, there's so much to talk about. Hopefully, we'll have enough time. Uh, But first, my guest on the podcast this week, you know him from TNA Impact Wrestling, He's been on uh, the Independence for quite some time. Robbie E. Now, I did this interview with Robbie E. right before TNA announced that they had signed the TV deal with Discovery. So, as of the time this interview was recorded, Robbie E. was still in the dark as far as what he was going to be doing next year for TNA TV. Of course, they do have TV, which I think is is a good thing for wrestling in general and especially <laughs> For TNA, most of all. But let's get first things first. We'll get to the state of wrestling about CM Punk and Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Ryback and WWE and the Doctor. Well, we'll get to all that. But first, here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast is Robbie E. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with me, that was very confident, like. Just starting with me. Sounds that I make with me in studio, Robbie E. When did where did you learn how to make confident sounds? Even before confident sounds, I mean, let's talk about my new confident haircut. Yeah, I I got cut just for this show because I'm pretty sure the listeners at home could feel that my hair looks different. Well, they care. Yeah, and your haircut. I I wonder this too because, like, of course, Robbie E. You know him from TNA and uh, uh, all over the East Coast uh, indie scene, but like the Robbie E. gimmick was kind of a Jersey Shore takeoff thing. Yeah. And it started when the Jersey Shore was super in style, but now your job 
I would imagine, is to figure out how to take what was hot then and keep adapting it so it's still, like, topical. Well, sadly, is as uh, trashy and terrible as everyone thinks the Jersey Shore is. Yeah. That was my life when I was a 21 and 22 and 23, and now 31-year-old, it still kind of is my life. So if you do catch me at any of those clubs or bars in the summer, it still is kind of me. So it's You're kinda, not just living the gimmick. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. hard to take that out of me when regularly I'm going out girl hunting, getting bombed, um, having to get away from cops, you know, that kind of thing. That's right. kind of the life of Robbie E. anyway, uh-huh. so I just kind of brought that into pro wrestling. So is that what happened? Like, you're like, wait, these guys on TV are doing what I'm doing anyway. If I, I mean, could just kind of relate myself to them, which I'm doing anyway. I might as well show show the world who the real guy is and make yeah. some money off it. What were you doing before that? Um, I was actually a school teacher, bro. Yeah? Believe it or not, I taught high school students phys ed and health. So I taught the future of America about sex. Oh, because the phys ed teacher has to teach sex. Doesn't have to teach uh, health, but I, I was certified in both. So I was teaching seniors in high school before they went to college, you know, how to go into the world and you know, <laughs> as sexual make, beings. Mm-hmm, think well, about that. Yeah, but all of this, course, my hair wasn't up like this, though. It wasn't. No, it was a lot more, you know, down, nice, parted. And were you wrestling at the same time as you were teaching? I was wrestling at the same time on the minor leagues, the independents. I was for 10 years prior to starting in TNA. I actually was wrestling for. When I was 16, and then I started with TNA when I was 26, so about 10 years before I started wrestling full-time. So what, when you were 16, who were you? When I was 16, I was Rob Echoes, and I became that because my name is Rob, and a kid in my <laughs> woodshop class when I was a junior in high school had an Echo shirt, the name brand, and I had like a, a day to think of a name, and I was just like, oh, Echo, Echoes, Rob Echoes, this will last for a few shows. Right. And then it lasted 10 years and got shortened into Robbie E. Oh, that's what the E stands that's for. That's what the E stands for. That's good. But Robbie E is a totally different guy than Robbie Echoes. Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, Rob Echoes went through some drama. He was a pop star at one point. He was a valedictorian. <laughs> you know, I went through some figuring out who I am. But, yeah, yeah. Robbie E is the real me. So when did you get to stop teaching? Um, I, about a few, a few months after I started with TNA, I finished out that school year. Yeah. And that was it. I resigned and full-time wrestle. So at any point, were you on TV and teaching? Yes. I would. I would teach... Okay, I would wrestle live on Impact on Thursday nights Mm -hmm. and then fly back home Friday morning, have someone cover my first class. So all my students would watch me fist pump Thursday nights. Wow. And then I would be teaching Friday. And I mean, like, the principal, the athletic director, (laughs) everyone was fist pumping in the hallway. They they were were all excited about it. Full on behind it. Oh, I brought the X Division title in. I mean, (laughs) of course, you know, a little souvenir for the kids. They all checked it out. (laughs) You you had the X Division title in the classroom? Yeah, of course. That's I mean, great. who does it? Don't most teachers bring their championship, championship titles? titles? Into yeah, the classroom? I think so. I mean, that wasn't distracting for the students or anything. No, and the principal was just like, no, it's pretty cool, though, right? But I mean, what actually is cool about it is the fact that you say you want to be a wrestler, and most kids have crazy dreams and they don't follow through with them. So I still go back once or twice. I visit. Yeah. It's pretty cool that they actually get to say, hey, wow, this guy actually said he wanted to be a wrestler and he did. Now, you know, maybe I could be what I want to be. So it is a cool role model thing, too. Yeah, definitely. How were you as a student in high school? Um, Very average. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I just went through the motions. You yeah, know? that's what happens. Like, me and my buddies just exactly, we just goofed around the entire time. Yeah. But then, like, a couple of my buddies are teachers now. Uh, it's weird, And, and right? it is a weird thing because you start realizing, like, if you realized what your teachers were doing when you were a student. Oh, like, they want to get out quicker when the, they're waiting for the bell ring quicker than you are. I right. Mean, you know, they don't want to give you homework because it's more work for them. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. wild. So how do how do the boys, as I say, how do other wrestlers – I guess now most of them know you because you've been doing this for 10 years or yeah. whatever. 
But when you first, well, I, I've actually been doing it fourteen years. Yeah. Fourteen years. I've been, I, independence for ten, and then T right. four. Yep. Yeah. I just turned thirty-one uh, three days, two days ago. And you got fourteen years under your belt. 14 That's years. huge. My first pro wrestling match was on my seventeenth birthday. Wow. So two days ago was fourteen years exactly. How do you even get in the headspace? Because like when I was seventeen, I wanted to be a wrestler, but I was even scrawnier than I am now. Well, I was. I mean, I was 150, 40 pounds. I joined with three of my best friends. Uh-huh. Two of them dropped out before the first match. And one, I wrestled my first match who ended up beating me, Chad Warwick, with a DDT. <laughs> and he never wrestled again. So I drove him out of professional wrestling. One match. One match. So what did you guys just go, okay, I heard, I don't, you're all wrestling fans. We're all wrestling fans, and there was local independent shows, like, right by our house, uh-huh. and then that independent organization opened up a school, and it was, like, 25 minutes away, so we had to get our parents' signature because we were 16. None of us drove yet, so <laughs> our parents would carpool driving us there until we got our license at yeah. 17. It was, like, two or three days a week, the training, and that's it. We all agreed and did it, but when they all dropped out, I you would have thought I would have, too, but I stuck with it. And Yeah, and it's interesting, too, that you actually went to wrestling school because I'm 31 too. When we were in high school, yeah, everybody was backyard wrestling. Yeah. Nobody was going to wrestling school. Like well, everybody yeah, I mean, was. Don't get me wrong. I did my fair share of that. Too. You did. I mean, who didn't? Couch <laughs> wrestling, trampoline wrestling. I did it all. I mean, you had to prepare. You know. Yeah, I had a whole. I, I had a whole. Like I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a backyard wrestling league. And I had a whole. I had shows booked. I was going through the school, being like, oh yeah, I'm going to bring him in to do this and him. And my parents were like, you're not doing that. I was like, why? Okay, well, wait a minute. Let's hold on a second. Yeah. What, let's compare here. What was your Backyard Wrestling Federation name? Because let's see whose was cooler. I was going to go with Sam's Wrestling Federation. So, so I mean, so you're already taking charge. Yeah. You were going to be the champ. Right, right. See, yeah. I, I want to differ on I tried to, you know, make it. We were STW, Severe Trampoline Wrestling. Oh, that's dope. Boom. And then, of course, every Saturday was Severe Saturday, our television show. That's great. Which two different random people bought off of our website online. And <laughs> two we, people. And they. They actually wrote us an email um, commending us that we would run the imaginary ropes, and they liked how we would stop short and hit the <laughs> fake ropes and then come back on the trampoline. So, I mean, we were we had a good thing going. So were you selling tapes? Well, of course we were. So, who, you know, why, why wouldn't we sell right. tapes? And then Because I was a tape trader, so I was figuring that I would start this backyard wrestling league and be, like, exclusively on my tape site. <laughs> but then my parents were like, no, one person breaks their neck, and we're the ones getting sued, so that's not going to happen. I actually look back, and I am surprised with the ladders and the weapons that were involved that no one got hurt. And I definitely don't. Don't recommend that for anyone. No. Don't backyard wrestle. It's dangerous. And I, But I look back and I can't believe we did some of the stuff we did. Well, it's funny because even like not only in backyard wrestling, and I think it's hilarious that you guys ran fake ropes. Yeah. <laughs> like you hit the ropes. I mean, it just that. seemed right. Yeah. Um, but like it's crazy to think not only – I don't think people backyard wrestle that much anymore because everybody knows how dangerous it is now. Yeah, it's Because like you didn't out. even know how dangerous the stuff – WWE was doing back then. Well, here's the thing. Back then, there wasn't as many wrestling schools. Now, there's a wrestling school pretty much in every other town. It seems mm-hmm. like every Joe Schmo is opening up a school, which is terrible. And that is why there doesn't have to be backyard wrestling anymore, because anyone could just find a local school and join. Yeah. And you know, and a lot of the schools are on the level of backyard wrestling. Leagues. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of the schools are ran by you know the janitor at this building who has no wrestling experience or one, or or, or by Chad Warwick who wrestled one <laughs> match and beat me and now yeah. thinks he could run a wrestling school. I have a victory over Robbie E. <laughs> You know, from TNA. Yep. Like, yeah, but and it didn't that's happen. what they'll sell, and then now they got a wrestling school, so and that's what it's turned into. How now do you know when you found a good wrestling school? Because I know a few of them. Like, I know, like, Pat Buck has a really good wrestling school, and yeah. Kurt Hawkins put one together. But other than that, how do you find a good – like, how do you know if you're if – because you're, there are a lot of people, I'm sure, listening and watching this, wanting to do what you did. Yeah. 
how would they know when they found a, a decent wrestling school? I think it's just like credentials, you know, knowing that your trainer's actually done something and has some experience, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's it, you know, like a Pat Buck or Kurt Hawkins guys who have been wrestling super, super long. Yeah. They obviously, you know, they know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. I, just if, if, if you go to a school and the guy says he's been wrestling two years or he's never done anything on TV or he's never, you know. Or he doesn't look like a wrestler. Yeah, like he's just I mean, out you of just kind of got to figure it out on your own, I would assume. But, you know, just look at their credentials. Yeah, like the guy from Beyond the Mat just <laughs> telling yeah. people not to eat fast food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so... But, yeah, but that's the other thing that, I mean, back then you didn't know how dangerous concussions were. Yeah. You didn't know what caused them. Like, now, do you miss that wrestling is different now than it was when you were a kid in the sense that, like, those those – those bumps that you were mimicking when you were doing backyard wrestling don't really happen anymore. No, I mean, it, it's uh, – I, I think that was a cool time, but you can't risk injury for certain things. So certain yeah. things do have to be cut cut out. But also I think wrestling is like anything else. It's like a roller coaster and goes up and up and down. So I think now it's just in a different phase for a few years. And I think in a few years I'm sure it will get wild and crazy again somehow. You know, it's always changing. So when you walked into TNA as Robbie E and you had your hair all gelled up and you were, you know, the Jersey Shore type character, what yeah. was the reaction to you um, when you got there? And, and you're young and you're young. You're, you said, what, 26 when I you started? started with 26, t- yeah. So, like, people don't realize that you've been at it 10 years. Yeah. They think you're just some 26-year-old. You well, my reaction is far as well from guys in the locker room. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, when I was there from for wrestling for almost 10 years at the time, I, I, I known half to three quarters of the locker room. Right. Right. So it was pretty comfortable right from the get-go. I knew mm-hmm. most of the guys. So they knew going in, they were like, yeah, he's, he's, you know, we've been he's waiting for him to get called up. just not some random guy. Yeah, he's just not some random guy off the street. He actually you know, knows what he's doing. It's yeah. incredible. And did you – now, mm-hmm. do you still – it seems like it seems like TNA trusts you yeah. as kind of their guy. Because, like, I went to the New York shows, and when they had, like, uh, Muta mm-hmm. and, like, Liger, and when they're bringing people from Japan – yeah. You know, you can't beat them, unfortunately, but they have to put guys like that in the ring with somebody they can trust. I could beat the man. (laughs) But they have, like, is that that kind uh, of your role right now? I I always say when I started four years ago, um, we had different locker rooms, and the locker room I was in, there was, say, about maybe 15 to 20 guys, Mm -hmm. and about... 95% 95% of that locker room are is all cleared out now. None of those guys are still here. And when you would have looked at it, I wouldn't have been the ones that you would have would have still been here. And I think uh, the reason that I am is just because I'm a team player. I'm reliable. I think they're confident that I know what I'm doing. And whatever I'm asked to do, I could get the job done. You right. know, and there's never any problems with and me. And you show up on time. And... I show up on time for the most part. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, I think, uh, yeah, they look at me as someone that there's never going to be any issues with Robbie E. Um are you are you happy with the difference in the locker room right now? Like you said, I, mean, I think it, our locker room is the best that it's ever been. Yeah, I mean, I think we have a, a different you know mix of talent, all guys from all different places, different styles. Everyone's positive. Everyone's you know it's like a, a family. Everybody works together. We all want TNA to get as big. You know, there's no egos or anything. Everyone's approachable. Yeah, I found that about TNA because I've interviewed a bunch of guys from TNA, and everybody that comes in. It's not so much focus because what you read on the internet is kind of doom and gloom for TNA. Yeah. But it's been that way for years. Like every every time anything I mean, since happens. TNA started, everyone yeah. has doubted it and doubted Dixie Carter. But, I mean, Dixie Carter loves her company, loves all of us. She's never going to let it go anywhere. Nothing's going to happen to it. We, we all are confident that TNA is going to be around for the you know, long and time. And why is it? It seems like everybody, specifically at TNA, is focused. Like each individual performer is just like, you know what? I'm, I don't really worry about the other stuff. We're going to be fine. I have confidence in that. 
I'm just going to go out and put on the best match possible. Yeah. Is that unique to TNA? Is it unique to the talent that's brought in? Is that looked for? What do you think? Um, what, for us to always go out and perform at our best? And, and just have that attitude going in. Like, I'm not really worried about the bullshit that's happening. I mean, because I have confidence you, know in... you know It's pro wrestling. So until something happens, it doesn't mm-hmm. happen. You know what I mean? So sure, we could sit here and say, oh, what if this and what if that? Or we could just say, hey, our company is still, you know, the number one show on Spike TV. It's still going in a great direction. We still have fans craving great wrestling let's work our hardest you know what i mean so it's not like so you're not going to sleep worried about whether or not you're going to have tv next year you're more i have tonight i'm on tv let me just go out and do the best match possible because there's going to be a million eyes on me that and i'm confident you know in the president of our company dixie carter that she you know is not gonna let tna go anywhere Mm -hmm. is there is there a thing in tna and I, I, i i haven't gotten this opinion necessarily but is the goal for someone like you, mm-hmm. do you look at TNA as a home or do you look at it as like, ah, I'd really like to see what's going on in WWE at some point? Um, I mean, for right now, everything in, in TNA, I look at it as a home. I love where I'm at. I, I think I still have a lot to do there. I, I'm a former X Division champ, TV champ, two-time tag champ. I want to be one of the few Grand Slam champions to get the world title so I could say I've held every title. So there's a lot more I still want to do in TNA. And I mean, without TNA, I wouldn't have landed which I'm currently on on CBS right now, The Amazing Race. Yeah. So for the fact that I'm on that right now, which is one of the biggest things I've ever done in my life, um, you know, TNA got me that. So, you know, I'm grateful to them for everything they've done for me, you know. How has The Amazing Race been? I mean, it's insane. Uh, Tonight, actually, Friday night, um, every Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on CBS, it airs, and it's an hour, and it's crazy, and I raced around the world, and I did things with animals that I never thought I would do in my life, and I hate animals, and yeah. It was the wildest thing, and it's honestly indescribable. You got to just watch it to see how crazy it gets. You see a different side of me. Are you happy with how it came out on TV? For sure. I mean, one episode has aired so far. And yeah. I think it was great. I think people are going to fall in a – I think people are going to watch Hashtag The Wrestlers, which was what me and Brooke, Knockout Brooke, are called. And I think they're going to fall in love with us. And, you know, people are definitely going to want to see more of us and tune into Impact to check us out. Did The Amazing Race come to TNA and say, we want two people? Did TNA say, hey, we got these no, two wrestlers I mean, the that want to be on that we, uh, it was actually through me and Brooke that we got it. It's just, um, you know, they liked that we were pro wrestlers with, uh, you know, already on TV and stuff. So we needed TNA for it. But we, uh, me and Brooke actually talked. Our agent helped talk and worked it out for us. Did you go to Brooke and say, hey, have you, we should do this show? It was kind of both of us at the same time. Yeah. We figured it out, yeah. And they, you know, we had, you know, an interview with the the important higher-ups and everything with CBS, and they just fell in love with us right away. They saw me and Brooke. They saw we were wacky and crazy and, you know, good-looking pro-wrestling couple, and they just said, this is perfect. And as far as the rest of the locker room goes with that, are they jealous or are they, hey, these guys are putting our TNA on CBS? Yeah, everyone That's I think good. thinks it's great. I mean, the opening credits of the show on CBS, they show us in a TNA ring and everything. And yeah. I think, you know, I don't think anyone's jealous. I think they're all uh, excited to watch us make a fool of ourselves. <laughs> <What do> you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, all right, they'll do the idiot stuff and yeah. they'll promo the whole show. So what difference does it make? Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what did you think of TNA bringing back the six-sided ring? Um, well, so I never really had when I started with TNA it was already at four sides. Yeah, but uh, a few X Division pay per views we had it, so I wrestled in it a few times. I mean, for me, my honest opinion, I could go either way. It is what it is. I could adapt to anything. Like I said, I'm easy. I'm a team player. Um, but when I do think of pro wrestling, originally the first thing I think of is four sides. So you do have to get used to it. But again, I am used to it now, and it's cool. You know, I appreciate that it's different and anything different, whether people like it or not, it gets people talking, and that's a good thing. And that's kind of one of those things that, like, you need 
the, when you flash on to know it's a TNA ring. Like you said, exactly. if you're going to be in the credits of The Amazing Race, if you see a square ring, the, most people who don't watch wrestling just go, oh, what are they, WWE, yeah. WWF yep. wrestler guys? Yep. yep, yep. And it's like, okay, no, this is something different. This yeah. is like a weird... Hey, you guys do that fake fighting stuff? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, and now we're on the fake reality show. <laughs> like, what's, is, what's more real life, do you think, pro wrestling or reality TV? Um well, the reason on uh, the reason that the Amazing Race and Big Brother and Survivor are three of the biggest, longest-lasting uh, reality shows mm-hmm. is because they are all completely real. I'm not saying I've never been on other reality shows to experience what they're like, but mm-hmm. I've been told that there's a lot of things that are fixed and whatever. Yeah. But I mean, assisted reality is what they call it. I tell you from personal experience, twenty-four-seven, the Amazing Race is. It's a race. It's 100% real. And I guess that's that's another way you know because the Amazing Race, obviously, they have tons. Of footage, yeah, that they're combing through to turn it into an hour show. Yeah, when you got shows that are like they film for a month and then they have a season of TV, those are the ones that's like there's no way that's real. Yeah, yeah, because you haven't <laughs> filmed enough to catch real moments. I mean, the, <laughs> when if for one hour TV, eleven teams, twenty two people that right. are crazy running around the world. I mean, yeah, so many things. I was like ready to watch, and I'm like, oh, I guess that got cut out or this. I mean, yeah. it's just hard to get everything in. But yeah. So who'd you grow up uh, watching or idolizing? Um, or? There wasn't one specific person that like. Were you I a big loved. wrestling fan growing up? Yeah, Obviously. I was when I was little, and yeah. then when I got to middle school, I was too cool for it. <laughs> and then when I got to high school, is when um, it was time to start STW. Well, when so. did you discover girls? Uh, girls, as far as like when I hooking lost up with my them. V, hooking yeah. up. Um, I kissed my first girl in sixth grade. Okay, because that's the thing. Because, yeah, like, most people school. are like, I watched wrestling until I discovered girls. And yeah. I was like, well, that would explain why of course, I yeah. didn't get laid in high school and watched wrestling <laughs> but, throughout. But I did, when I started to love wrestling again in high school, I still got laid also. I was still cool and popular and stuff. But this, I because, wasn't like a wrestling geek. Because you learned how to get laid before in middle school. I, <laughs> like, you learned how to be cool. Then you're like, all right, I can start watching wrestling again. But I will say it's really weird. Like, in normal life for me, when I'm dressed regular or whatever, if you look at me, you wouldn't look and be like, well, that dude's like a pro wrestling fan or a pro wrestler. It's weird. Like, I, I never, I don't know. It's really weird. And I always, even though I love wrestling so much, I was never like, hey, brother, or like, I don't use <laughs> wrestling terms, or like, I'm not like super, super wrestler. Right. But yet I love it. It's really weird. Hey, babe, we should go out tonight, but kayfabe it, okay? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? Oh, no. Because that is true. Uh, like, like, the minute you start, like, there's a. a, a why was a, that waiter healing us out, man? Yeah. He was what? <laughs> oh, no. I said, there's like those words. Yeah. That, like, it's the one moment where a girl would just off yeah like i'm not interested anymore because yep. you said healing out yep. or whatever yep. um you didn't have to learn that the hard way though you kind of got yeah. that from the get yeah it's not it's just i'm not i don't i don't know i just i find everyone talks the brother talk and it's just not me i don't know that's what you should do dude you should start seminars yeah for helping wrestling fans get girls, <laughs> right? Honestly, now with some of the fans that I've seen, I don't think it's even possible. <laughs> it's too I much think work I was for random. You. Yeah. Do you I want mean, every other every fan at a show is like a Chad Warwick? <laughs> I mean, they're all just it's not. <laughs> so Chad Warwick was not getting. Chad laid. Warwick was the opposite of me. He was my friend, but he was the geeky wrestling guy in high school that definitely <laughs> didn't get laid or by, get laid by the girls that I was. So you could only talk to Chad, talk with Chad about wrestling like in private, private, private. If he came up to you in the hallway, no, I would high still school. talk to him about it in the hallway, but yeah. I would just like still make him look like a dork about it, or just like make it like he's telling me about it, <laughs> like I care, and then like yeah. you know, tell me later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, just email it to me. And I, Chad Warwick is actually still one of my best friends. I'm still yeah, very close. 
with him. Well, that's what I figured. Like, you wouldn't be just <laughs> dropping his name and trashing him <laughs> if you weren't still his friend. Um, so then, do you? Did you start uh, getting involved in wrestling groupies, or for your for for women, do you go totally separate? Um, I would say both. I mean, for 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 a girl that I want to be with long term and everything, I always said that I would never want to date anyone in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I ended up dating someone in pro wrestling. But the girl that um, I was dating in pro wrestling isn't really a pro wrestler, even though she's a pro wrestler. She got into it through modeling, so she didn't like grow up saying brother and you know all that <laughs> right. stuff she didn't know much about wrestling so that's why i was able to stand it but uh for moving forward um with girls that i want to be with it would be uh yeah definitely someone outside of wrestling is that just because you need to escape it like you need to not have it happening when you're at home yeah i definitely want a girl uh, uh you know it would be nice for a girl to tell me that she never heard of hulk hogan or jeff hardy or kurt angle like yeah just completely <laughs> like yeah. who is kurt angle don't worry about it yeah <laughs> like that would be you know like i don't even want them to hear of it or know what it is yeah just but so it's different wrestling fans get upset about that sometimes though like they want you to live <laughs> yeah pro wrestling you know well, what I mean? because they live pro wrestling exactly and they don't get laid so <laughs> <laughs> so that's the secret yeah. like just enjoy like segregate your life a little bit exactly and, little and, bit. and shower because most pro wrestling fans don't shower but either. they're watching wrestling <laughs> so then do you still watch when you're not performing do you go home and watch are you that guy or um yeah i mean i watch my stuff i <laughs> know <laughs> uh, I, wa- I watch impact i watch uh, impact and that's about it yeah do you yeah. watch it now when you watch your stuff because some people don't watch their stuff because they're you know self-conscious about it yeah do you watch it to be like i'm the fucking man or do you watch it to like figure out what you're doing wrong or- both yeah you know, i'll watch what i'm the wrong but it's also like hey did you see my max last week check this out but that was that's me on tv dude you know like you like, have parties for yourself yeah exactly that's the way and it's probably <laughs> such a more healthy way to just be blindly like optimistic like that like yeah did you guys notice i'm the man it's better than just sitting there being like oh i suck i suck i suck yeah have you been confident forever yeah, I mean, pretty much. It's the only way to be positive and confident. What happens in life happens, man. You know, like, not, you know, not worried about it. Not worried about it. And uh, the, the the thing with watching other wrestling and everything on TV, I actually don't really, because of time and just because, you know, my day's home, I'm running to the gym and doing errands and trying to get everything in before I leave again. I really don't watch much TV in general. I don't watch sports anymore. I get to watch mm-hmm. anything. It's like impact and romantic comedies that's like all you're a rom-com day. guy rom-com guy to the fullest. what's your favorite rom-com um you know i'm into paul rudd you know i mean yeah. whatever good stuff you know it's a good laugh a good love story you get it all in and you, in love one, you know so kill funny. two birds at one stone so you know but you're not a horror movie guy i am a, yeah but there's no good horror movies lately is there i guess i like the uh like the conjuring I saw that, but I don't even remember. A lot of them I get, like, if it's weird to understand, like, sci-fi horror-ish. You know, like, or, like It's too much, dude. Like, you like yeah. simple. Simple. Because you yep. go to the Less movies. Is more, bro. You're turning your brain off. Yeah. I can't focus on all this. You're like, stuff. oh, I hope Paul Rudd gets the girl. Remember, oh, I, I remember, I went through the motions in high school, and it's weird that I was a teacher. So there's no way I could focus on a movie. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have, like, are you an idiot savant at something? Like, is there something that you focus all your energy on, or is it just more like, no? Like, whatever. You just kind of. Um, do your shit and, and and not worry about much. I live in like Robbie E world, so like everything, yeah, like I whatever you're know. doing at that moment is like, yeah, this that's is what pretty we're doing. much it. Like all the time, people will say to me like, 
oh, my God, did you see that huge earthquake happening and whatever on the news and all over the newspapers? And I'm just like, no. Like, I don't know anything going on except, like, in my little world and in my little Robbie E. Bubble. Like, I would know if there's, like, a new machine at the gym. Yeah. I would know if on my way to the gym there's a new store built that I pass. Like, I do my little circle when I'm home. And, right. like, that's it. And, like, I don't know. I, I don't even know. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys at TNA used to tease me, like, they'll ask me questions like, I got confused with like who I don't know who's on like a five dollar bill or like you know. who is like the first president. I thought the first president was Abe Lincoln. Like, dude, they're all the same. Like, Doesn't matter. What's to you. it matter? Like, how do, how does what's going on right now in Africa or this thing from history that Christopher Columbus? How does this affect my life in any way? Right. So, it like, doesn't. are you worried at all that there's Ebola breaking out in the United States? See, I have no clue what that is. <laughs> I have no clue what that is. You don't know what Ebola is. So Not why would clue. you be worried about it? Exactly. Exactly. And why why know about things that are just gonna you know worry me or slow down my gym routine yeah it's pointless (laughs) bro i was lifting bro i don't know know? like i don't know it don't make sense you know who the vice president is i have no clue who the vice (laughs) i know that the president is obama but i have no clue who the vice president is you don't but But you don't care i don't know who ran against him i don't know who did people ask me like am i a uh, what is it, republican or democrat right i don't even know what they are or care (laughs) i don't vote you don't don't, good because that's like that's like you're saying i've made the choice to be completely uninformed. It doesn't cost you anything. I'm yeah. not voting. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. People will say, like, yeah, but you should still vote. And it's like, why? I don't know who the right dude is. So how do? what if I pick the wrong guy? I don't right, know what I'm right. doing. I'd rather just not be involved. Besides, I'm lifting that thing. I got my own shit going little on. weird curtain thing and vote. That's annoying. Yeah, you're sitting there trying to figure out how the old women. Yeah, you're like, I'm 31 years old. If I'm asking somebody how the lever works in the booth, I'm going to look stupid. I'm not doing that. Oh, my that. God, I'm 31 now. God, I'm like almost 50, bro. Is that tough for you? Yeah, I, I mean, I still feel like I'm 15. Because now you're at like... Now I'm not like just turned fresh 30, which is still on the edge of the 20s. Right. Like, dude, I'm 31. I like turned that. 31 a month ago. It's like... If, and it's like, no, you're you're in your 30s yeah, now. Yeah, this is... What are we doing? I don't know. So are you going to settle down? Are you I don't know what I'm going to do. Get married and have a kid? I, well, I do want a family at some point for sure. You're 31. Yeah. At what point? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, for all 40s, the new 30, you know, we're doing it later. <laughs> right. I watched that Paul Rudd movie. This is 40. He was cool. He was cool. Great movie. It was a great movie. Yeah. Um, Jeez. Wow. I mean, but does it scare you at all to be getting older? And like, no, it's I just try not to think about that stuff in Robbie E. World. Good. So that stuff isn't well, doesn't come into my bubble. And that's what I love that, like, so you don't, because. When I'm in a conversation, I see people having a conversation, right? And yeah. they're, like, very informed of what's going on in the world. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, I should probably be more informed so I'm like, so I can have those conversations. Yes. Does that occur to you ever? No, not at all. <laughs> no. No, not at all. I completely know what you're talking about, but I just, you know, if if someone's in a conversation or anything and they're talking about things I don't know, I'll just be like, hey, did you see my match on Spike last Wednesday night? <laughs> like, I'll bring something different to talk about. Right, you know? right. Why talk about other people when you can talk about yourself? Right. Well, especially when you're Robbie E, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's so great. You might... So do you wake up feeling good? I wake up feeling great. Then you must. Yeah, I do. You figured it all out. I'm like you have that moment where you're like, oh, I'm 31, I can't believe it, and you're like, ah, oh, but I'm going out tonight, so that's cool. Yeah, I mean, dude, people like all the time will say to me like, you know, you're, they know me as the guy that's always smiling or like nothing bothers you or like why, like why is this, uh, you know, girlfriends I've had when we're fighting, why are you not mad about this or getting, you know, whatever? I rarely will raise my voice or get like whatever. It's just like meh. <laughs> you don't care, like, yeah, like you know, like unless it's even if it is something drastic, it's already happened. I can't really do much about it. So if a girl says she doesn't want to see you anymore, you're like, all right, so we want to see each other. Well, a girl would never say she. Didn't she want to it's see never you. happened, so you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's, it's never happened. It's never happened. Well, um, Robbie E, 
I'm glad we took some time to get to know each other today. I think we got to know each other real well. Yeah, I think you got to come back. I kind of want to have you on uh, on my serious X on the Friday show to just ask like about the girls that you know. Well, girls and in, in high school. I also want to ask you middle like, school trivia questions about what's going on in the world. <laughs> just watch you not knowing. It'll be uh, you. You wouldn't be the first. Yeah, they well, used I, to line up to take turns asking me questions. I love that you're like, yeah, you can ask me anything. I won't know the answer for the most part. Yeah, I mean, and, if I know it, I'll answer it, but right. I probably won't. And like, and, and also at the end of it, I'm not going to feel bad about it. because nope. I don't care. <laughs> yep. So great. It's the way we all should be. Well, figured it out. You can watch Robbie E. Uh, but see, like, how would I be like if I was like, so what? You're on like wrestling, bro. Like. What's that? <laughs> You're on Impact, though. I do know that uh, on Spike TV on on uh, Wednesday nights now, right? Wednesday nights on Spike, and then uh, Friday nights, The Amazing Race on CBS. That's great. And you got a podcast now. Uh, me and EC3, my arch nemesis slash best friend, <laughs> have started our own podcast, The Robbie EC3 Experience, and currently we are fighting over uh, who is the head co-host and who is the co-host. That so makes you sense. definitely want to tune into that. Yes, yeah, I sure. want to know. Now, yeah, is, we're talking is, about some pretty important stuff on that. Is EC3 uh, a little more up on... What's going on in the world? Yes, he's actually complete opposite of me, <laughs> and he thinks I'm total scum, and I think he's total scum, and that's why our podcast is so great, and, you know, we're best friends slash arch nemesis. Sounds entertaining. <laughs> well, Robbie E., thanks so much for being here, man. Thank you, And where bro. can they follow you on Twitter, too? Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Robbie E. Impact and Robbie-E.com, my website, and, of course, ImpactWrestling.com. You could get information on everything going on with TNA. Excellent, man. I'll talk to you later. Thank you, bro. Here is Sam Roberts. For the record, Robbie E., I hope it was made clear that there are ways. I I maintain a non-virgin lifestyle and watch pro wrestling, and I think it is I think it is possible. If you can be a wrestler and get laid, you can watch wrestling and get laid. I think it's I think it's possible. There's no reason that any dream, no matter how big it is, should be squashed. Big thanks to Robbie E. for doing the podcast this week. Uh, I find him endlessly entertaining. I, I, I'm definitely going to talk to him again. I was, As I was kind of reprocessing some of the things we talked about in that interview, I think the most terrifying thing is if you take the beginning, what we learned at the beginning about Robbie E. and what we learned at the end about Robbie E. and put them together. Okay, so, so what, are, what are we fresh? What, what's fresh in our head that we've learned? He knows nothing about what's going on in the world outside of his lifestyle, and he's proud of it. He knows when there's a new gym machine, but he didn't know anything about Ebola. Okay, he knows if, if there's a new gas station in his neighborhood, but he doesn't know who the vice president is. I don't even want to tell him, because what's the, what's the use? He doesn't care. He doesn't know and doesn't care who the vice president is. I love that. The first thing that we learned about him in the very beginning of the interview he was a teacher. I know, a gym teacher, but still, an educator. Somebody who worked in a school. He was, he, was, he was shaping the minds and bodies of the future of America. There are teachers going through our educational system that don't know or care who the vice president of the United States is. Robbie E. has exposed us. And number one, I thank Robbie E. for that. Number two, I think that's a terrifying statement about the educators of America. I hope the teachers' union gets very, very upset about that interview. All right. Speaking of getting, get a, getting upset about that interview, I hope there's nothing that Robbie E. said in there that CM Punk gets upset about. Let's, let's talk about that right now in the state of wrestling. 
It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. I don't even know where to begin with this week's State of Wrestling. I was joking before, of course. Uh, uh, Colt Cabana had CM Punk on his podcast as if I'm informing anybody that this is news, as if you didn't know this. Or if you've listened, if you listen to Sam Roberts' wrestling podcast and you did not know that CM Punk did Colt Cabana's podcast, I appreciate your loyalty more than you know because you can't get this show without going on the internet. And if you go on the internet in any way, shape, or form in a search for any content that is pro wrestling or sports entertainment related and the CM Punk Colt Cabana interview somehow slipped by your radar, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your loyalty. But for those that do exist, yes, CM Punk did uh, Colt Cabana's podcast. And uh, one of the things that he said at the end of the interview kind of made me feel bad was that uh, you know, when he went off on Chris Jericho a little bit. I, I don't want to say he went off on Chris Jericho, but he had mentioned that uh, Chris Jericho was quoted as saying that CM Punk doesn't talk to him anymore, that he's reached out to CM Punk and CM Punk doesn't talk to him or many other people. And Punk made a comment that the people that he uh, – and I'm, I'm, of course, paraphrasing – what CM Punk said, but he, 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 what he basically got across was that he still speaks to people that he considers friends, but there are some people who he felt were reaching out to him more for their own personal gain, possibly, than to be checking on his well-being, and he decided to avoid contact with those people. Obviously, implication being Chris Jericho was one of them. Uh, Chris Jericho said that on this podcast. I'm assuming, and I believe... That he might have said it elsewhere. I'm not taking full credit for it. But immediately, I had that scary feeling in my gut when <laughs> when Punk called out Chris Jericho for that. Because I was like, how are we five episodes in and already a heat-seeking podcast? I'm trying to be positive. The whole point of this podcast was because I actually like wrestling. Okay? I actually enjoy sports entertainment still in my life. I don't need people getting upset about it just yet. Just yet. But... I think Chris Jericho said that in other places. And you know what? It was the truth. So I'm I'm being half serious. I'm not actually I, – I thought – I don't even know where to begin with the podcasts that happened this week. Um, usually I talk about what's going on in WWE or, 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 or TNA or Ring of Honor or, or whatever. I mean Ring of Honor has got a huge pay-per-view this weekend. Uh, you know, we were talking to Robbie E. I'm, I'm looking forward to TNA coming back to television on des- – well – relaunching, I should say, on television, on Destination America. Raw was okay. wasn't great. Um, you know, I, I think New Day is interesting. Uh, they haven't done anything to really grab me yet, but I, I at least like that they're doing something with those guys. Um, I'm a little happier with what's going on with Eric Rowan. Um, you know, I said before I was worried that he was just going to be kind of a goofy, lovable giant. Uh, I'm a little happier with that in in the sense that they seem to be giving him a nice big baby face push. And I'm super happy with the fact that at the end of Raw, I didn't love the six-man tag. I was, it was okay. It was fine, but it was kind of uneventful. Um, but I did like that at the end of the night, you looked in the ring, and there was a strong grouping of baby faces. You have, you have four guys in the ring that are now being built to be legitimate top draws on the babyface side, and you've got a group of heels that are uh, top draws on the heel side, and they're different, and they're varied, and it's a good thing. Um, 
So that was a good thing. Of course, the most exciting thing. I don't know if I did. I say I love the Bray Wyatt Dean Ambrose segment. Both the uh, every segment that the two were involved in the whole uh, the our truth match into the promo into the attack. The whole thing was amazing. I love what those guys are doing. Um, of course, the big Noel Foley debut on Raw as as Saint Mix uh, Elf was fabulous uh, and. To me, and I thought this went unnoticed by a lot of people, I thought, and maybe it's just because I'm weird, but I thought Jimmy Uso slapping the taste out of Miz's mouth for giving his wife uh, his business card because he wanted to hook her up with somebody in the entertainment industry or whatever, I thought that was the best thing that either Uso has ever done. I love The Miz, not because I don't like The Miz, but just because it was, to me, that moment was the most realistic moment on the entire show. I thought that was great. I believed Jimmy Uso when he came out and he he felt like he was from the streets. Not that I'm from the streets and would ever know, but it seemed like that way. And that he had, and that Jimmy Uso had caught somebody messing with his woman and was protecting her honor. It felt real, it felt cool, and I really enjoyed that. Now, uh I want to talk about CM Punk on the Art of Wrestling and I want to talk about uh Vince McMahon on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast on the WWE Network. I thought both podcasts were incredible. Um, I'll talk a little bit. I'm not going to get all my feelings about CM Punk out just yet because Colt Cabana is going to stay on the iTunes Top Ten list. He's got CM Punk on the podcast this week, too. They're doing a a question and answer thing, I guess. So I want to listen to that, too, and then we'll really start to dissect the CM Punk thing. Um... I've spoken to Punk, not privately. I don't have. I'm not, I wouldn't say we have a friendship. We have a, a very solid work relationship. I think CM Punk has been nothing but awesome to me over the past few years. Uh, you know, talking to him in various you know uh, interview spots and radio spots that we did, and every, every time I've interacted with Punk on the air and off the air, he's been nothing but an awesome dude. I love that guy. Um, and I was happy – here's what I was happy about on his podcast. I was happy that he was able to get things off his chest that he had on his chest. And I thought what he did most effectively was portray himself as a human being. He was not a pro wrestler. He was not a sports entertainer. He was not a superstar. He was not an athlete. He was, not, he was just a dude. He was a person who was having a rough go of it at work. And had made his money and was fed up with where he was at, so he left. I think there will come a time where he regrets saying some of the stuff he did. Um, I think uh, punk strikes me as a very kind of in the moment and maybe emotional type of guy. I think he was wearing his heart on his sleeve a little bit in that podcast. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I probably wouldn't be that emotional. You're not going to catch me. you know. But it's just a different way of processing. But I'll tell you this. CM Punk's interview on The Art of Wrestling was by far the most truthful interview I think you'll probably ever get on a wrestling podcast and gave you more insight into the day-to-day life of a WWE superstar than than most. I mean, the things that bother him, the things that they go through. I don't think we realize. We hear about the wear and tear, and we look at these guys and the sacrifices they make in the ring. But when CM Punk was breaking down the injuries that he had, what— caused them, how he felt, I mean, detailing everything, it really was insightful as to what these guys have to go through 
day in and day out, and they're exhausted. And exhaustion does toxic things to a person. Okay, I don't have to travel every day. I don't have to do anything physical. But I have to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning every morning for radio. And 4 o'clock in the morning is the time that – that's the 2014 time. That's the latest I've ever gotten up. I spent years getting up in the 3 o'clock hour, 3.15, 3.30, 3.45. Just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And I'm telling you, going a week with very little sleep just destroys you as a human being. So you couple that with physical injury and having to do something physical and, and, and yeah, it's, a, it's a rough, rough lifestyle. And I think that came across very well. On Punk's podcast, um, I thought he, I thought he went a little harsh on Ryback. Um, I guess if somebody had uh, physically injured me, or, or, or as Punk said, taken if I felt somebody had taken lo- years off my life, then yeah, I guess I'd be mad at them too. So I understand that, but I thought he was. I didn't think it was probably necessary to drag Ryback down with him and. Uh, Whew, he was not kind to the uh, doctor that the WWE has on staff. Um, but it was really interesting to hear that podcast juxtaposed with the Steve Austin-Vince McMahon podcast. Um, I thought the Steve Austin-Vince McMahon podcast, which, I mean, I haven't even listened to as a podcast yet. I just watched it as a WWE Network special. Uh, it was amazing. And I'll tell you why it was amazing. Uh, it was amazing because... I thought uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was pulling no punches at all. He mentioned TNA a couple of times. Cole Cabana and the Art of Wrestling podcast got a mention by name. CM Punk came up. Macho Man Randy Savage came up. Shane McMahon came up. Stone Cold Steve Austin did his job. He went after the things that fans have wondered about for years, and he brought them up. And to Vince McMahon's credit— there was some ducking and weaving here and there, and Vince McMahon is a professional at doing these interviews. But I found Vince McMahon to be candid uh, and refreshingly honest. I, I thought it was something that I would imagine WWE superstars will listen to and watch so that they can get a better insight into what their boss is thinking. I don't think any WWE superstar, aside from... Maybe, you know, your John Cena, Randy Orton, Chris Jericho. I don't think anyone else on that roster has uh, the ability to catch the insight that we as the audience caught listening and watching uh, the Steve Austin or the Stone Cold podcast that was on the network this week. Um, I thought, of course, um, the Macho Man thing was very – I mean, I'm a Macho Man Randy Savage fan from day one. I thought it was – Interesting. I mean, I, I thought it was obvious. I feel like it's obvious that he's going into the Hall of Fame very soon. They just put out another DVD. They've got an action figure deal with him or his family, his estate. He's in the video games. He's, you know, he's kind of back in the merchandising fold, which means a Hall of Fame trip is inevitable. Uh, I loved that silence that Steve Austin left when he approached the Macho Man question. I did wish that uh, he had asked what took so long. That was the follow-up question. That was the one follow-up question I would have loved. And maybe Austin didn't want to open that bag of worms. I don't think we'll ever know. But I would have loved just to see what the response would have been if he had said, well, why didn't the Macho Man Randy Savage go in before? Why was Coco beware? 
put into the Hall of Fame before Macho Man Randy Savage. You know, I mean, there's a there's a, a list of names. He could have gone in years and years and years ago. Uh, and the question is, why now? Why not before? That's the one question I would have liked. Maybe he'll tackle that. You know, I, I think he said he's going to try to get more time with Vince to do this again for Podcast One. Hopefully that, that question will be answered. Um, but the stuff that I like, number one, Stone Cold Steve Austin bringing up Cesaro was maybe the best moment of the podcast because it gave you a real— there's two moments that I really like that I thought gave you a real insight to what Vince McMahon and his creative mind is thinking, whether you agree or disagree. When Vince McMahon went into Cesaro and the fact that he was incredibly gifted physically and he had all these technical skills, but Vince McMahon thought he was missing an it factor, he was missing charisma, and that he didn't know what the missing piece of the puzzle was. Um, I thought that was incredibly interesting because I don't think most people in Vince McMahon's position would go ahead and give their true, honest opinion on an employee in such a public forum, especially somebody like Cesaro, who the internet, you know, has been talking about for years now. Uh, and I think I, I felt like that was his honest response, that he likes the guy, he thinks he's gifted, but he doesn't know what to do with him. Now, do I agree with Vince McMahon? No. I think Cesaro is incredibly charismatic. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, the brakes get put on him. But I think Cesaro is kind of ready now to start getting pushed in the direction towards main event, does he is he ready to be thrusted into the main event? No, but is he ready to be making an impact? Can he be this year's or you know? I think 2015 can be for Cesaro what 2014 was for Roman Reigns. I don't see any reason why that's not possible. Um, but it's not up to me, is it? I'm not uh, I'm not the genius that uh, uh, created what we know as WWE. I also really enjoyed the debate between the terms pro wrestling and sports entertainment. And you could see the frustration on Vince McMahon's face when Stone Cold Steve Austin kept slipping back into using the term pro wrestling and how insistent Vince McMahon was on the fact that what he was doing was not wrestling. He, at one point, he could, come on, Steve. You know it's not what that, 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 that's not what you did. And Steve said, it is what I did. I was in the ring. I was wrestling. And, and Vince said, yeah, but when you were in the hospital, well, he didn't say this, but he implied when you were in the hospital hitting me over the head with a bedpan, that wasn't wrestling. That was entertainment. Vince McMahon is keyed in. I'm putting on a product that is sports entertainment. It is obvious that he does not like the term pro wrestling, wrestling. He does not feel like it describes what he does. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird thing because I get what he's saying, but then what is pro wrestling? You know, is it I, – I, like if, if what Vince McMahon is not doing – if what Vince McMahon is doing is not pro wrestling, I don't know necessarily what pro wrestling is then. I, I kind of look at pro wrestling and sports entertainment as interchangeable. I don't think pro wrestling is a sport. I don't think pro wrestling is this – Thing I don't, I don't think it exists in the form that it might have existed years ago. And I think pro wrestling is sports entertainment. You know, I think, I think that's what it is. They've molded together, I feel like. But I thought it was really interesting how keyed in on that term sports entertainment Vince McMahon is. And, 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 and it's a little weird. Like, you would think that in his position, 
he wouldn't let sort of these nuances affect him whatsoever. But you know what? The guy is a genius when it comes to branding. When it uh, the Vince McMahon, he's a genius at a lot of things. I mean, I, I Vince McMahon is is too restless. It's to sports entertainment what Steve Jobs is to computing. You know, in, in my opinion, I think he's an absolute genius creatively, financially, uh, and 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 branding wise. So maybe he's onto something. Maybe he's right. Maybe he knows because sports entertainment wasn't a thing before he started talking about it. So and, he, and he's been pushing this thing. He's been very successful at it. Um, the the takeaway from it too, and I loved uh, the uh, Undertaker, Brock Lesnar discussion that they had. Um, and it, and it was kind of kind of reminded me of the conversation that CM Punk had with Cole Cabana about the Undertaker and CM Punk. But um, I found I mean I I've agreed with the decision to make Brock Lesnar the person to beat the streak. Um, I, I agreed with it. I would like to I mean when it happened I agreed with it in the sense that okay this could go somewhere and I think it's I think Vince McMahon is right on the money about that one. I think that it has been the right decision in the sense that I think that it's it's uh, elevated Brock Lesnar immensely. Keep in mind, before this t- before the streak, before Brock Lesnar beat the streak, he had lost to several. He had lost to John Cena. He had lost to Triple H. He was losing matches, and uh, somebody like Brock Lesnar can be used better than that. You know, eventually you can. If yet yeah, you're always going to win your tune-up match, but if you're consistently losing main event matches, then it's like okay, like it's fun to watch, but we know Brock Lesnar's not going to win because he's not going to be there on Monday, as CM Punk mentioned a few times on Colt Cabana's podcast. But when we get a shock like we got at WrestleMania, when Brock Lesnar ends the streak, you know he's not going to be there on Monday, and he still ended the streak. It almost feels like. He's taken the company hostage. Like in that moment, and since that moment, Brock Lesnar has felt unstoppable. And he felt that way again at SummerSlam when he beat John Cena. He, he's felt that way this entire, since WrestleMania, Brock Lesnar has felt unstoppable. You know, and, and now you're in a position where there is nobody on the roster that you know is going to beat Brock Lesnar. When Brock Lesnar gets in the ring, you can no longer say, oh, yeah, no, no, I know he's not going to win. It doesn't make sense for him to win. I know he's not going to because he beat The Undertaker, and that didn't make sense in our heads, did it? No. But I think it's, and I think it's made the title more important. I think it's made the WWE Championship more important because number because you can't get it off the guy. It's not just people trying to beat Brock Lesnar to prove that they're the best. It's people trying to beat Brock Lesnar because they want to be the WWE Championship. And again, the fact that he's off TV with the title gives you that same feeling of Brock Lesnar beating the streak and then leaving TV. It's like he's got the title hostage. It's like he's, he's holding the company hostage because he knows that nobody can beat him. And so why does he have to defend anything? I think, I think it works. For me— it very much works, and the shows that he hasn't been on have not been bad shows. So uh, I don't think it's been costing the company anything. Uh, as far as Vince McMahon's other comment on the Stone Cold podcast, 
about millennials. He said uh, – Stone Cold asked him in the beginning of the podcast about what the difference in the locker room was between now and when Steve Austin was on top of the roster. Meaning he said he felt like there were there was not that same sort of hunger and competition and people trying to get their spots. And he didn't know. Is that because there's less sports entertainment competition? Is it because you don't have a Monday Nitro to go head to head with? Is it what? What is it? What is it? Um, and Vince McMahon said that he felt that the current locker room is simply less ambitious than the previous locker rooms have been. I, I mean, he said there's a lot of factors, but he said millennials in general are just a less ambitious, more afraid to fail group of people. Um, I think. That there is a, a a fraction of truth in that. I think whenever you get into a position where you're kind of uh, casting out a generation of people, that maybe you need to start assessing where you are in your life. You know what I mean? Because to say millennials in general are less ambitious, you're getting very close to the, you know, I used to walk up uh, both ways. I have to walk up the hill in the snow to school, six miles each way. Back in my day, it wasn't so easy. You become that guy real quick, and that's not where Vince McMahon wants to be. Um, I mean, I think he's, uh, there is a thing with millennials where they, in my interaction with them, in my field of work in broadcasting, I don't think that a lot of the interns that have come through have been as ambitious as even in my generation they were 10 years ago. I think 10 years ago there was more ambition and competition and, and, and sort of hunger to succeed than there is now. I think from what I see, you know, kids coming out of college and stuff now do feel a little more entitled than they used to, to me. That's my feeling on the matter. But there are definitely exceptions to the rule and I mean it's something you just have to accept I think a bigger issue is in the entire system of development now I was down at the developmental center and uh, the the training center and, and it's beautiful it, the the facility that they have in Orlando is incredible and they really have and by the way that facility has pumped out Amazing stars already. You know, you look at Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns and 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 all these guys, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan and 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 everybody that's coming. I think Bo Dallas is fantastic. You know, you look at all these guys that have come out of there, um, and it really is a great system, and it prepares younger guys for what the next step is. But, and I talked to Triple H about this in the interviews on YouTube. If you haven't seen it. Go look at that interview, and Triple H makes it a point to say that the people in that development center, the training center, are getting opportunities that he never got, that nobody ever got. That this generation of guys are getting more opportunities than they've ever gotten before, and that really they should be thankful for it. Now, I think that's true. And, and he also said that his tolerance for complaining has decreased 
because of all the opportunities that these guys are getting. And that's true. But I think CM Punk hit on something and Stone Cold hit on something. And it was that, to me, the most successful guys in sports entertainment are guys that are self-made. And, and, and Vince McMahon himself was talking about the fact that people need to take a chance and grab the brass ring and shake things up and, 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 and take a risk and get yourself over. Is what Steve Austin and Vince McMahon were saying. Get yourself over. And there's no doubt about it. A guy like CM Punk got himself over. Now, he didn't get to the place that he wanted to get and maybe was a little impatient, um, but probably shouldn't have had to fight as hard as he thought that he did. I don't know. That's a whole conversation to have, and we'll probably get into it next week. But the thing is that I, I think you need to have a chip on your shoulder to really be a standout star in the world of pro wrestling. You need uh, sports entertainment. I'm sorry, Mr. McMahon. You need to be a guy who who feels like he's better than everybody else and feels like he owes nothing to nobody. You know what I mean? I'm using a double negative to express my point there. I don't owe nothing to nobody. You need to have that sort of that edge that you know you're the best. And I don't think that edge is very diffi- is very easy to achieve. I don't think that you can sit there and know that you're the best when you're being reminded how good you have it every moment. You know, I think it's hard to develop because people who think they're the best, look at Stone Cold, look at Triple H, look at Shawn Michaels, look at, look at, look at all these guys that have clawed to get to where they are, even CM Punk. These guys have had to fight every step of the way. They have these histories. They had to, they had, they've gotten bad gimmicks. They've gotten uh, you know, the short end of the stick over and over again. They've had to get to the point where they're so fed up with everything that they're going to put it all on the line and just move forward with this thing. And F the world, I'm going to take over now because I have no other options. Now, if you don't have a chance to develop that sort of armor, that body armor, because of all the times you've been knocked down, if you haven't been knocked down and instead have been reminded how much better you have it than the generation before you, it makes it really tough for you to walk around like you're better. You know, I mean, I think that somebody... To be bigger than The Rock, to be bigger than Stone Cold Steve Austin, to be bigger than any of these guys, you have to walk around thinking, I'm better than that guy. And when you're being reminded constantly, we didn't have a training center. We didn't have an NXT. We didn't have physicians. We didn't have branding experts. We didn't have all this stuff that you have. So you better count your lucky stars that you're, that you're being given the opportunities that you're being given. Well, then how do you get that sort of hardened, grizzled thing that you need for, to have that chip on your shoulder? You need to have a bit of a chip on your shoulder. And I think that's really hard to do when you're being reminded of all the opportunities that you have. I think that's at play, too, in terms of what's going on with this current roster. Um, but I also do think that there is something symptomatic about a lot of millennials. Um, that said, 
I personally feel, and 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 that was around. I'm I'm just one. I'm just a squeak outside of the millennials. I think, um, and I feel like I could see that around me when I was uh, graduating college, when I was entering broadcasting, when I was entering the entertainment world. I could see that around me that there was a sort of sense of entitlement, and there was a sort of sense of I want it all, and I want it right now. And, and people trying to take shortcuts and people trying to do whatever it was that they had to do to get the quick fix on things and not thinking about the long-term big-picture thing. And I think for the, the exceptions to the rule, to the people that do want to achieve more than their predecessors, this is actually a good time to do it because this is a time when you can go out and, and and achieve more than the people next to you because they're not willing to work as hard as you. If what Vince McMahon is saying, and there is less ambition in the locker room than there was 15 years ago, then the few guys that actually do have ambition should be able to achieve more than anyone can imagine because they should be able to be running laps around everybody else in that locker room who, let's be honest, are their competition. In terms of being the number one guy on the roster, everybody in that locker room is in competition. And if there are guys that are, like Vince McMahon said, not ambitious, then there is no reason for the ambitious people uh, to fail or to fret or to ever think that they're going to do anything except succeed beyond their wildest dreams. And if they're not succeeding, maybe maybe they're not as ambitious. But maybe they also have, 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 have uh, uh, factors in coming up that, that, are, that are different. I mean, I, I, I don't know because I'm not there, and I don't think any of us know because none of us are there to see it. None of us know the wrestling business except for those of us that have been in the wrestling business. So there are those of you listening that have been in a wrestling ring or have promoted or have been writers or whatever it is who have interacted with the people who make decisions, then, yeah, you know. But I don't know. I'm, I've never worked for WWE. I don't know exactly how it works, but I'm telling you that after the Stone Cold podcast and after CM Punk's podcast with Colt Cabana, we're a lot closer to knowing than we were before. Um, this, I feel like these two podcasts are like the beyond the mat of this generation. These two podcasts have, have opened the door in the 80s. It was kind of – it was the John Stossels and the 2020 reports and Vince McMahon announcing that this is sports entertainment and it is not necessarily uh, – that it is uh, – the, the, the finishes are scripted and that it is sports entertainment, not pure sport. That was the 80s. And the 90s is beyond the mat. Greatest wrestling documentary ever made. And I think now in this generation, it's the podcast that Stone Cold Steve Austin did with Vince McMahon and it's the podcast that Colt Cabana did with CM Punk because those two shows, within the, those, those, that's three hours of programming in the span of one week, lifted the curtain back more so than anything we've seen in years and years and years. So, I mean, I thought both were fantastic. Real quick, I try to keep this to an hour, so... Um, no prizes this week, but let me still read some Twitter feedback at the Dunkel wants to know, could any of this punk stuff be a work? 
I sincerely doubt it. Uh, I I can't tell you how much I praise Steve Austin for bringing CM Punk up in the uh, in the podcast that he did with Vince McMahon this week. Um, I don't think this is a work. I don't think the Montreal Screwjob was a work. I think sometimes some stuff like this happens. Now, is it something that could be capitalized on later? Sure. But is it a work right now? No, absolutely not, I don't think. Uh, right Way Photo on Twitter, at Not Sam, uh, got done with listening to the Sting podcast. That was last week. Do you think Sting and Hogan will meet in the WWE? I mean, they might meet. They might shake hands. They might give each other a hug. I sincerely doubt that Sting and Hulk Hogan will wrestle a match in a WWE ring, and uh, I hope they don't. I don't think that would serve any purpose. I don't want to see it. If Hogan gets back in the ring, I want to see him against John Cena. I don't think there's any other opponent. I mean, I would have loved to see him against Stone Cold Steve Austin years ago. Um, I don't think a Stone Cold Steve Austin-Hulk Hogan match does anything now. If Hogan can get back in the ring... John Cena is probably the only opponent today. If you ask me today, John Cena is the only guy I want him facing. As far as Sting goes, uh, Undertaker, Triple H, uh, Bray Wyatt, uh, 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 even Stone Cold Steve Austin, all, tons of names come up before Hulk Hogan's name even crosses my mind. So hopefully that does not happen. Uh, and Good Guy Steve on Twitter writes, do you plan on doing any podcasts with commentating uh, of past pay-per-views? I think he means like Mystery Science Theater 3000 over uh, old pay-per-views and stuff like that. I don't have any specific plans to do that, but I would love to get together with somebody and uh, and and do that. I think it would be a blast. At some point, I'm sure we will as this podcast evolves, but uh, not at the moment. Thank you for listening to this week's uh, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast and – for making the podcast such a success. We've been on iTunes uh, Top Sports for the whole week. So uh, thanks a lot, everybody. See you next week when we talk. And I will get way more into the CM Punk podcast after uh, the second one Cult does. But thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.